Today we have the second part of the story of Samson, the probably better well-known part of Samson. Samson and Delilah, the Sunday school material calls it the fall of Samson. One of the most intriguing questions about this part of the story of Samson is why Samson continues to give in to Delilah and tell her, uh, eventually telling her the actual secret of his strength. One would have thought that after the first time, he would know better than to reveal any secrets since she betrayed him. Certainly, one would think after the second or third time, he would finally catch on to the fact that Delilah was betraying him, and yet he does anyway tell her the true secret of his strength. I believe that the part of the reason is simply because Samson doesn't believe he's actually going to lose his strength if his hair is cut. We've already seen in the first part of the, the story of Samson that there were three rules. Remember, there are three rules the Nazarites were supposed to follow. They were not supposed to touch any dead thing. They were not supposed to drink any strong drink, and they were not supposed to cut their hair. And God had told Samson's parents that he was to follow these rules, and as long as he followed these rules, the Lord would be with him and he would have great strength strength and he would deliver the the people we saw last week how he already disobeyed two of those rules he already uh, drank strong drink in his his parting with the philistines and he he touched dead things uh specifically when he went back and took the honey out of the mouth of the lion and also when he grabbed the the jawbone of of the donkey as well and so I, I believe that Samson just really honestly didn't believe that there would be consequences for his sin, that the Lord would over, continue to overlook it and um, he wouldn't lose his strength. And verse 20 in chapter 16 really kind of bears that out because when Samson is woken up that last time after Delilah cuts his hair, he's surprised. He says, oh, I will overpower them and go out as I always have before. And then the scripture underlines, but he did not know that the Lord had left him. So there is some speculation there on my part that the Bible doesn't tell us in detail exactly what Samson was thinking. However, it is implied there in verse 20 of, of chapter 16. And so the, the moral of the story of Samson uh, is the sinful of man that in Samson's attitude is one that's common to all of us where God's mercy and God's grace and God's patience and God's forbearance leads us into this way of thinking that we can continue in our sin without consequences. Uh, Samson had already disobeyed two of those three rules and so it, he seems to think that well he can continue in this sinful attitude and it's it's not going to matter. In this way we often take God's grace for granted. We, we despise God and the grace that he has shown us in Christ Jesus and the forgiveness of sins with this attitude that well it means i can just keep on on sinning and god's never really god's never actually gonna punish me for that sin that certainly seems to have been samson's attitude yet the consequences of course do eventually come god is long suffering and patient and merciful uh, with samson uh, using him not only for samson's sake but for the sake of his people israel using him to bring victory to his people but in the end samson goes too far and his strength is taken from him however we're going to see how uh, even that god uses for the good of his people it's so the law and the gospel here is that the law is that we often respond to God's grace and mercy by assuming that we can continue in our sin without consequences. 
yet the consequences of our sins do come. But the gospel is there where God reminds us, call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you. And certainly he did that for Samson. When we repent and call on the Lord, the Lord does deliver us, even when the problems that we face are our own doing and a result of our own sin. Uh, nevertheless, the Lord is still with us. Now, that does not mean, as we see, we're going to see with Samson, that does not mean that the consequences always go away. Samson was still blind and he ended up dying with the Philistines. But even though the consequences of our sins might not go away, we can trust that the Lord forgives our sins, that he is with us, and that he will use even these things for our good. The Lord knows how to use even our own sin for our good and for the good of his people. We're going to see that also in the story of Samson. Another important aspect of the story of Samson is, of course, that Samson is a type of Christ. He is Christ-like, especially in today's account, where he himself dies in order to bring victory to his people. He, In his death, he destroys the enemies of God's people, just as Christ, in his death, destroyed our enemies, namely sin and Satan. We're going to be going through uh, Judges chapter 16. We won't read the whole thing, but please remember to, to read through it on your own. The first three verses of Judges chapter 16 tells us the story of Samson lying with a prostitute. And when the people of the city found out that Samson was there, they surround him and they're going to, they think they're going to capture him. They wait till the morning, assuming that's when he'd be most vul vulnerable, that he would be fastest asleep and, and maybe the weakest uh, from, from sleep as well. And so they, they're going to wait for the morning and then they think they're going to attack him. But uh, Samson gets up much earlier than that and rips the entire gate out of the city and goes and sets it up on a hill. Now that's probably not, those first three verses are probably not a part of the story you want to go over with the kids, maybe even the youngest kids, unless you want to explain to them what exactly a, a prostitute is. But it does show us, it does provide valuable background because we might wonder, well, when, when Samson was uh, with Delilah, why didn't they just come in and bind him? Why didn't they attempt to do that? And they already tried that. That's what we see in the verse, first three verses. They already tried that and learned the lesson that they're not going to take Samson down on their own. That sneaking up in him in the night, overpowering him with more than enough, with you know overwhelming odds, isn't going to work. That the Lord is with Samson. And so they need another tactic. And of course, they do that with Delilah. So Samson falls in love. He goes down to Gaza and falls in love with this woman, Delilah. Once again, falling in love with a Philistine women, woman uh, that happened once to him before and it did not turn out well, but he doesn't learn his lesson. He falls in love with her as well. Uh, a lot of times um, Delilah is kind of blamed, <laughs> sometimes especially in pop culture. Delilah is kind of blamed and the word Delilah kind of means like a, an evil woman who takes her strength, takes strength from her man and abuses her husband and something along that line. But it's really Samson's own fault that he, he gets into this trouble. I'm, I'm not saying that Delilah did the right thing either, but re Samson really can't blame anyone else. He knew full well that the that this woman was part of God's enemies, that he should not be with her, um, that he should not be you know in love with her or pursuing a relationship with her, uh, and he did it anyway. And, of course, even more so when he tells her the secret of her, her strength. 
Samson falls in love with the Delilah, and the rulers of the Philistines see this as their opportunity to finally capture Samson. Remember, at this point, Samson has been leading, judging the people of, of Israel for 20 years, about 20 years now, uh, leading the armies against the Philistines and been doing very well uh, in battle against the Philistines, killing uh, in one at one point over a thousand of them uh, and other times others. So he's, he's their, their big enemy. Uh, they really want to take him down. And how much they want to take him down is shown by what they offered Delilah. Uh, the ru rulers of the Philistines come to Delilah and they say they will each, each give her 1,100 shekels, 1,100 shekels of silver. A shekel is about half an ounce. And so that's about 34 pounds of silver. So imagine a bag full of enough silver to weigh 34 pounds. That's quite a bit of silver. Today, 34 pounds of pure silver would cost you about $9,000. It was probably worth even more back then. Silver was harder to come by back then than, than it is today. Uh, it was a more a means of, of currency, but <clears throat> it was you know harder to, to mine it and come up with. But it you notice uh, in the next chapter, for example, uh, chapter 17, Micah is going to offer a priest about 10 shekels of silver a year. That was his annual wage that, that Micah offered the priest in order for the priest to, to serve as his, his family priest and come and live with him. So that was kind of a, an annual wage for a priest, which was, would have been quite a bit more than the annual wage for like a worker per se. Uh, that was just 10 shekels of silver. Here we have 1,100 shekels. Or you can go back to Genesis and remember that Joseph was sold for 20 shekels of silver. So that was the, the price paid for a slave, or at least for Joseph back in Genesis. Uh, so this is, is quite a bit more than that. Each give 1,100 shekels of silver. So if you assume about $9,000, you know, that's per ruler. Now, the NIV study Bible suggests that there were five rulers. And honestly, I can't find where they're getting that number five from. It's probably just right there in front of my face someplace, and I'm just missing it. But the, the NIV study Bible suggests five rulers. So uh, five times 9000 you know, $45,000. Um, it's maybe not a perfect equivalency, but it gives you some idea of the staggering, staggering amount that they're offering Delilah to uh, do this thing to betray Samson. And of course, she gives in to the money and asks Samson to tell her the secret of his strength. At first, Samson lies. The first thing he says is, well, if you buy me with seven fresh thongs, so that would have been cords of leather, uh, they, they need to be fresh, just freshly made. And so the, the Philistine rulers go and they cut uh, strips of leather off some animal. We're not told what animal, maybe a cow, maybe something else, and dry it uh, so it's fresh and not been used for anything else. And they come and bind Samson with those seven thongs. And notice the number seven is important. It's used a couple times in the story of Samson. Here we have the seven thongs. Later on, we're going to hear about his seven braids. So his hair, which had never been cut, was braided into seven braids. The number seven is the number of God's complete work. It was a, it was a number uh, that belonged to the Lord. And so Samson seems to be showing his dedication to the Lord in his use of seven braids. And maybe he thought that Delilah would believe it, that it would have more uh, credibility if he said seven fresh thongs because maybe Delilah understood that the number seven there was was a number to God but in any case that's what he uses and of course uh, so Delilah 
ties those seven fresh thongs or cords of leather around Samson. He ties her up, ties him up with those, and then uh, pretending to be on his side, she shouts, the Philistines are upon you, wake up, and he wakes up and easily breaks the cords, no problem. So then uh, Delilah says, oh, you betrayed me. Never, never mind the fact that she betrayed him. And she says, oh, you betrayed me. You, you lied to me. What's the real reason? What's the real secret to your strength? So this time he says, well, tie me up with secure, tie me up securely with new ropes, ropes that have never been used for anything else. Now, this has already, already been tried once. Remember, the people of Judah themselves tied Samson up with two fresh new cores. Uh, that's what he told them to do uh, back way back 20 years ago when um, the Philistines came to try and take him out of that cave and the men of Judah came to him and, and Samson told them to tie him up with two fresh new cords. They did that and he easily broke it and killed the Philistines at that point. But the Philistines have either forgotten that or for some reason, you know, don't think about the fact that, well, it didn't work that time or maybe they didn't know that the people of Judah had used fresh new cords. In any case, it doesn't work this time either. Once again, Delilah ties him up with the fresh, the, the fresh new cords, and he, and again, pretending to be on his side. Oh, the Philistines are upon you! Wake up, Samson. He wakes up and he breaks the cords, no problem. Uh, so she pesters him again. Oh, you betrayed me again. You didn't tell me the secret. Uh, and this time he says, well, if you weave my hair into the loom again, she weaves his hair into the loom again. She says, the Philistines are upon you. Wake up. And Samson wakes up and pulls his hair out of the cloth. So his, his hair would have actually been woven into the cloth, uh, into the loom. He pulls it right out. Uh, and once again, it doesn't have any effect on him. Now notice the Bible says that the, the Philistines were there in the house, but that they were hiding. And there's no indication that the Philistines ever came out of their hiding. So this may also shed some light as to why Samson did finally tell Delilah, as we're about to hear, that perhaps he didn't know that the Philistines were actually in the house. Perhaps they remained hidden until they saw whether the ropes were actually going to hold Samson. And so it may have been that uh, Samson thought that Delilah was testing him, but didn't realize that she had actually told the Philistines and the Philistines were actually there. We don't know that for sure, uh, but, but that is part of, part of partially a possibility as well. Any, anyway, Delilah continues to nag him and nag him. Uh, the Bible says until he is he was nagged to death, and one would think at this point, well, he would finally leave Delilah, but instead he finally tells her the secret. Uh, he not only tells her, you need if you shave my head, I'll lose my strength, but he even tells her why. He says, I, I am a Nazarite uh, dedicated to God from birth, and if a razor come and no razor has ever touched my head, and if uh, you shave my head, uh, my strength will be lost. So this time when Samson is uh, securely sleeping, Delilah cuts his hair off. Once again, she cries out, the Philistines are upon you. He wakes up, and this is where we get that verse 20 where he thinks to himself, I will go out as before. They're not, they're not going to stop me this time any better than they did the last time. But of course, this time it does not work. He did not know that the Lord had departed from him. So Samson's unwillingness to listen to the Lord and his continuance into greater and greater sin, the Lord's forbearance instead of leading Samson to repent of his former sins just led him to go further and further down that road of sin until he finally tells this this Philistine woman the secret of of his strength. Um, his fine, so the, the Lord's forbearance has finally come to an end 
the Lord leaves Samson, the spear of the Lord leaves Samson, and he is taken prisoner by the Philistines. They pluck out his eyes, which is a pretty common thing to do, especially when you capture an, an enemy that is particularly troublesome to you, or the leader of, of the enemies that happens to the king of Judah, when the Babylonians take them captive as well, uh, a way to show your dominance and your victory, your final victory over over your enemy. So they're they're ecstatic, they're excited. Look the Look what we've done. They don't want to just get rid of Samson. They don't want to just kill him. They want to take him prisoner. They want to show off that they are greater than Samson and that their God is greater than the Lord. And so they even plan this feast, this feast to the Lord Dagon. Now, notice the Bible says specifically that as soon as he shaved his head, his hair began to grow again. Sometimes we get the idea that this feast to Dagon must have come um, a long time later because, well, his hair was regrown. Well, the Bible doesn't say that his hair was regrown to the same length that it was before, only that it had started to regrow, which can happen pretty quickly after you shave your head Um uh, most of us know, if you, you know, we don't. Most of us don't shave our heads, but we shave other parts of our body, and we know how quickly the hair starts regrowing. <laughs> so maybe it was just a week later. And the text also says that they were sell. It was specifically a celebration of the fact that Samson had, they had been victorious over Samson. So they were celebrating the fact that they had finally um, taken Samson prisoner. So it doesn't seem like this was something that happened much later maybe maybe just a week later uh just giving them time to plan the celebration and they all gather together in dagon's temple dagon the name dagon we don't know much about him but the name dagon is the canaanite word for grain and so he seems to be a god of the harvest uh one of the chief gods of the philistines of course they're the god we hear about most often with regard to the philistines was baal um, but this is also a very important god to them and they even say this they even say like well our god has had victory over the lord uh, this is part of their celebration and part of the reason that they bring samson into the temple so they're partying they're celebrating their victory over samson they bring samson in to make fun of him uh, to show that their god is greater than the lord they make him perform for them what exactly he performed whether he had to sing or dance or play some kind of instrument it doesn't say only that he performed in some way and samson of course um repents of his sin he acknowledges his sin and pleads with the lord to be with him one last time he asks the servant to show him to the the central pillar of the temple apparently there were two central pillars but he has to be shown to one of the supporting pillars of the temple and so that he can rest against it he tells the servant and when the servant leads him there he prays to the lord the lord hears his prayer gives him his strength again samson pushes against one hand on each pillar uh, so they couldn't have been too far apart he puts one hand on each pillar and presses against them and that of course causes the entire temple to collapse we're told that there were about 3,000 people on the roof. How many more were inside the temple? We don't know. Uh, it seems like the temple would have was a, a base floor and then a flat uh, roof that would have surrounded kind of an open arena, uh, which is where Samson no doubt was. And there's 3,000 people up on that upper level looking down at Samson. How many were underneath? We're not sure. But what's even more important is it's... it's 
stresses that all the leaders of the, all the rulers of the Philistines were there. And Samson prayed and brought down the temple and killed them all. And the Bible says, therefore, in his death, he killed more of the enemies of God than he even did in his life, uh, destroying 3,000. And so it is that Samson, in his death, becomes a picture of Christ. Samson was a sinful human being. He made a lot of mistakes, yet uh, he was forgiven by God uh, when he repented of his sin, and God worked it for good. And so we see how even Samson's sinfulness is used by God for the good of his people. God knows how to work all things for our good. And even sometimes he uses our own sinfulness for the good of his people. Uh, Samson ends up in the temple where he's able to destroy all those Philistines in simply one blow. Lord's blessings on your Sunday school lesson.